You don't trust me, do you? I don't blame you. If there is to be a brave new out-of-order Star Trek review, our generation is going to have the hardest time listening to this episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Reflux Welcome, Rewinders and new listeners to the Retro Rewind Podcast, where we take a fresh look at movies and games from 15 or more years ago. I am your captain of the pod, Francisco Ruiz, and I'm joined by your XO and mine, Paul, the Master Interrupter Powers. Hey, 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 it's the big master control program everyone's been talking about. Tron? Yeah, which... It has David Warner in it, the master control. Oh, right. Okay. There's yes. Chancellor Gordon. Oh, I see what you did there. Okay. Yeah. Also, a deep cut for those Tron fans. <laughs> right. It is. Also, for this discussion of the film Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, we welcome aboard a Christian, Trekkie, Whovian, and one of the hosts of The Cellcast, a podcast reviewing animated movies. Our guest and patron who picked this movie, welcome Drew Dodgen. Hey, Drew. Hey, how's it going? Going quite well. Thank you for being here. Yeah, not a problem. Awesome. And now that you have a quick flyby of who we are, Paul, can you give us a quick overview of the production specs for Star Trek VI? The Star Trek Undiscovered II, Country. The Wrath of Khan was released. <sighs> Paul, XO, don't mutiny on me right now. We're doing Star <laughs> Trek VI, not two. Why? I know you love two. But no, it's just in order. The things that are discussed here start in two, so we should but have done it. Paul, in we're in a time machine, and the listeners, whenever we do two, can listen to this in order if they like. That's your saving grace. <laughs> All right, here we go. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, or Star Trek VI, is <laughs> released December 6, 1991, so it's a Christmas movie. It runs 10 minutes shy of two hours and is rated PG. Is directed by Nicholas Meyer and is written by Leonard Nimoy, Lawrence Connor, and Mark Rosenthal, along with uh, lead stars being William Shatner, Leonard Nimoy, DeForest Kelly. You get the idea. The music was not composed by Jerry Goldsmith, but was composed by Cliff Eidelman. <laughs> uh, are you ready for the box office game? Uh, Maybe. Yes, I am. Are you ready, Drew? Yeah, go right ahead. Awesome. Okay, the Star Trek Sixth Undiscovered Country was made for about $27 million and earned almost $100 million Ooh. worldwide at the box office. Thank you, Mario. Given this and the... F- <laughs> Given this and the, f- and the fact that there are currently 13 Star Trek films, how high in the box office worldwide, non-adjusted... Do you think it ranks among the other 13 Star Trek movies ever made? Huh. Okay. Well, Drew, what do you, what would you say? I'm going to say five since we're not adjusting for inflation. Five. Dale in chat uh, thinks it's two. Well, I'll, I'll give Dale another ch- chance because non adjusted, the latest Kelvin universe movies takes the top three. So, oh, okay. That was my figure. <laughs> that, I, I would think that as well. But uh, Enthusiast says 13, so all the way at the bottom. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, lucky number seven. Uh, so, we'll, Paul, who is correct? 
Well, the answer is number nine. Mm. Nine. So uh, that make me the closest, I think. I wasn't keeping track. I was just focused <laughs> on nine. <laughs> we'll say yes. I win again. Sure. Uh, and Dale guessed five, but still Close. seven's closer. But thank you guys for playing. Awesome. Thank you for making me look good. That's really what this is about. So I appreciate you guys playing along with that. Wow. <laughs> But Someone needs to be shot out the torpedo. In all, well, first you have to make me, you know, focus on the gas. Uh, in all seriousness, there's plenty of that coming out. No hot air, which I guess is technically gas. Anyway, thank you for those factoids, Paul. And let's see if any of them factor into our memory mind meld or subsequent roundtable discussion, which we will get to once Alice has located our target film. Alert! Alert! Approaching target. Spoilers are coming. Establishing analysis vector. Between ancient enemies, you don't trust me, do you? Between different worlds. They're animals, Jim. They are dying. Between war. We haven't fired. According to our databanks, we have. And peace. Captain Kirk has not been identified as the assassin. There exists the undiscovered country. It will not be the instigators of full-scale war on the eve of peace. Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country. Rated PG. Starts Friday, December 6th at a theater near you. We may not want to break out in peace or war. I mean, what do we remember about this movie? That is the worst segue ever into our memory mind meld, but we'll just let go. So here's what we collectively remembered uh, about Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, before we rewatched it. A shockwave from an exploding moon hits the USS Excelsior, causing Sulu to say, oh my. And it's the original Enterprise's last tour with Christy Alley. Captain Von Trapp claims William Shakespeare is Klingon, and the Enterprise appears to have fired upon the Klingon vessel. Then they go on an undiscovered planet or country where there is a mystique alien that mimics Kirk. Finally, photon, photon torpedoes, phaser blasts, and Shakespearean quotes are lobbed back and forth across space above the Power Rangers Command Center. Close enough. Uh, I mean, it was, some of it was close, but other bits of it were accepted. What in the world with the Power Rangers? It's actually the same building that they oh, built really? for the Power Rangers Command Center. Oh, I didn't know and that. I was watch, and the first time I watched this movie, I was also watching, I was at the age to watch Power Rangers. Oh, so awesome. Like, Holy crap, it's the same place. That's crazy. Now, guys, There's help me. Different time, different time shares. Help, yes. help me here, you guys and who are planets. much more fans of Star Trek. Is Christy Alley in one of these movies? Oh, yeah, but you don't want to come. Okay. I'm glad I wasn't completely incepting that, that she is somewhat related, but okay. If, when she's not I mean, holding the bar down at Cheers. I mean, by all technical accounts, Valeris was originally going to be Savic, but they couldn't get either of the two actresses to come back, so... <laughs> There you go. And if I know who those people were, because I... You'd even be a bigger Star Trek <laughs> fan. <laughs> but based on those memories, as flawed as some of them were, what rating did they leave, lead you to predict for this movie before rewatching it? Classic, nostalgic, or tragic? Uh, let's start with Drew. What was your prediction? I know, I know you picked this one. I'm assuming classic, but maybe not. Well, you're correct. Actually, I would have thought it was classic. Well, good. I'm glad we would have... 
thought that you thought that I thought the same thing. Paul, what was your prediction? I predicted nostalgic. Nostalgic? And I went with the bottom tragic just because I've never seen this. And I've seen this movie. It's been a long, long time. I don't remember it super fondly. It's just for whatever reason, I think this and four were the two Star Trek movies I saw a lot. I fell asleep in five. Uh, I remember That's all that right. much. <laughs> That's how you're par for the course. Okay, good. Uh, regardless, though, it'll be interesting to see if those predictions come true. But first, let's get into our discussion of the things we liked most about Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Let's spin up our... Best three. And as we'd like to, let's begin with our guest, Drew. What's one thing you liked about this film? I absolutely love the music in this film. Really? Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's not your standard Star Trek music, admittedly, yeah. but it is a lot darker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, it just it seems to fit this more, because this is a more political, darker story mm-hmm. yeah. based on, uh, well, somewhat based on the... Uh, uh, Falling of the, the Cold War, right? Or yeah, the Cold War, the uh, Chernobyl. The oh, Chernobyl. Oh, okay. Chernobyl. Oh. It's based on that Cold War. It's based on that time, mm-hmm. and so it has that more darker feel to it. But most specifically, the song I like is uh, it's from when they on Aurora Penthe. Yeah, that darker looking over the edge. Looking over the edge, and uh, is that the snow pla- planet? Yeah. It, it, okay. You know, yeah. Asteroid, technically, but yes. The purple snow planet. We'll go with that. Thank you. <laughs> in the background, though, uh, it's harder to hear in the movie, admittedly. But in the song, uh, if you listen to it separately without the, all the people talking over it, you can actually hear some singers in the background singing uh, To Be or Not To Be in Klingon. Oh, yes. really? Yeah. That's cool. Pach, mach, pach, bech, over and over again. It's kind of cool. Awesome. You know what? The I did notice the soundtrack, especially in the opening credits. I was very much liking it compared mm-hmm. to Jerry Goldsmith. Like I was expecting Jerry Goldsmith's score, and I, not that Jerry Goldsmith's bad, Paul. I know. I th- think that's what you implied. No, just I'm right not there, implying yes. that. I'm just saying I I liked it more. Is a bit less. Is almost like a harder edged orchestral mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of the more flowery Jerry Goldsmith yeah. orchestral. Yeah. So they, I. They said they were going for a more John Williams oh, okay. um, of the almost towards more, not to be bombastic, but towards that direction. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'd say they know that. That wasn't one of my likes, though. Uh, rather, the thing that made my like list, uh, the first thing was a story element in which after uh, the ship that has the Chancellor Gorkon after it's attacked and they're not sure who did it, who shot him and all that, uh, and the 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 general con, uh con no not con <laughs> no, not con chang chang. Ch- chang chang general chang's like turn around and he's gonna fire on them and i love that kirk says we surrender we just surrender i and yeah, that is pretty unprecedented in the history mm-hmm. of star trek and james oh yeah yeah T- but kirk. i yeah. love that it was that de-escalation that what the chancellor had said to him over dinner had affected him so deeply that he's like, I'm not going to, I don't want to escalate this. We're going to, we're going to stay in town. We're going to work this out diplomatically. I just, I thought I wasn't expecting that even though I'd seen this before. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Um, I agree. You agree. And do you agree so much? It was one of your legs, Paul. Uh, yeah, but not that high uh, as much as captain Sulu on the Excelsior. 
being captain of his own ship. I that thought was, was cool. Fantastic. Yeah. Yes. Um, when watching the behind the scenes and, and hearing some of it, it th- this movie actually had an alternate beginning where oh. everyone was already retired and they were going to go around collecting the different cast members for this, mm-hmm. this mission. And they originally had Sulu on this um, way off planet being like a, a, a disgruntled taxi cab driver. <laughs> what? Which, yeah. Which this is so much better. I would have loved to have seen more of Sulu and the Excelsior play a bigger role rather than just telling them like, oh, they're holding the meeting over there and <laughs> we won't tell you know the people where you are you know that kind of thing right and yes he did have some moments in the in the climactic end where they were firing upon that was great i just wanted to see more of that kind of interaction i, I thought that was cool oh i will be mentioning something about that uh <laughs> later on in the show but let's go back to drew what's something else you liked about the film so when they're on Verapenthe, of course they meet uh the shapeshifter martia oh yeah uh, mystique right yeah Kind of, sort of, yeah. <laughs> long before they tried to do that with Mystique. Well, I think X-Men... Uh, I don't know, does X-Men predate Star Trek? Probably not. It does, but I'm, I was thinking film-wise. Oh, well, yeah, of, of course, yes. Yeah. Um, so one of the things I like about that character is... Uh, I, well, pretty much two things. Every shape-shifting... I did, I, this is the first time I'd noticed it in watching this in the movie. Oh, uh, every time she shapeshifts, uh-huh. she has the same. The, the eyes are always the same. Yellow, Whether, like Odo's. They're always yellow. Well, yeah. Well, Odo oh, are they? Brown. Yeah, I was about to say. Wait a minute, that's wrong. Data Odo, had yellow oh, eyes. Yeah, Data had yellow eyes, but uh, Martia always has those yellow eyes. Whether it's that little girl form, the sexy girl form, the Kirk sass- form. Uh, yeah, uh, the chewy knockoff, essentially. Yeah. And and of course, Captain Kirk. Yeah. Even has the yellow eyes then. Oh, I didn't notice. It was yeah, I, it's like I said, this was the first time I noticed it. Of course, I, this is the first time I watched it on Blu-ray. Oh, and nice. Was, yeah, it was a. Uh, that's one of the things that really just you know was interesting. I saw that, but of course, the real thing from that scene I like is when she turns into Kirk and yes. says, "I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition." <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and as a lifelong Star Trek fan, seeing Kirk actually tell Kirk. Hey, you're a little too into yourself. I just find friggin' hilarious. That that was. I am versed enough in Star Trek sort of meta lore that I got that joke, and it was <laughs> pretty hilarious. I, and apparently, I, William Shatner. Well, they were afraid William Shatner would hate hate to do that, but apparently, he loved it. Nice. So. That's awesome. Very very cool. Uh, Paul, were any of the lines from or or any of the dialogue uh, like of yours? Yes, especially the dialogue at the dinner table. I thought was Ooh, really yeah. well crafted and written. Just the mm-hmm. two different sides of the political talkings and pushings and the underlying tones. Mm-hmm. I thought what I thought that whole scene was uh, well done. Mm. I wonder if you'd appreciate that if someone would appreciate that more having seen the other Star Treks leading up to this. Or um, does that I, part not really matter that? I I don't think it matters as much. You do have to know that there is history between them these are two two mm-hmm. very opposing sides mm-hmm. that uh there are some on that that want this to work out and some that don't and so there's a fine balance between that and mm-hmm. i think they walked it really well yeah though well, i mean there's only really 10 other stories if you count the original series yeah 
but with the, that feature Klingons. So oh oh really? In all of yeah. the original series, I'm there's only oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah because uh, uh, Roddenberry didn't in the original series did not want to repeat aliens that often. So the second time we actually oh. saw Klingons, which is the first time they ever repeated any of the aliens, was in uh, Trouble with Tribbles. Wow, I had and no idea. And that's like idea. middle of second season. Oh my goodness. That's crazy. Okay. Good. I love that. We're yeah. getting this trivial trivia knowledge for this you guys. That's this so what awesome. you get when you bring me on here. I know, so much, <laughs> I know more trivia than I know anything worthwhile. <laughs> and I don't believe I'm you. Well I'm sure you know a I'm lot well more than you're leaning on, Drew. But that's really awesome insight that you guys have. I'm, I'm so glad you both are on the, the show to give us, to give me someone who's not as much into the Star Trek uh, that, that input. Something that uh, I liked, something else I liked about this film, though, in particular, was it had this uh, sort of whodunit aspect to it. Yeah, um, mystery. After, yeah, after the Chancellor's killed, you're not sure who did it, and you don't really find out until the close to the very end of the film. So that was a a cool thing, and the original crew's all searching now while while yeah. Bones and Kirk are on on what was the name of the asteroid? Raoul Ghoul. Rurapenthe. Yeah, that's why I said uh, Rurapenthe. <laughs> uh, so I, I like that you could have these two different things go back and forth. These two different stories going back and forth, so you wouldn't like just get bored with one. Essentially, it was it kept it kept you engaged. So I, I really enjoyed that element. To again, I wasn't expecting a mystery to a Star Trek film. So that was something else I liked. But now it's time to get into our classic makers. The things we loved most about Star Trek VI, the undiscovered country. And I'm gonna start with uh I'm gonna start with Paul this time. Change things up a little bit. I Undiscover absolutely... this podcast country. Yeah. Sure. Okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Paul. I absolutely loved the character of Chang, the Klingon <laughs> pirate. What? No, 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 no. Plummer. Because well, he I'm would have to second that, because that's also my classic. Maker. Oh my gosh, guys! <laughs> Fantastic villain, and oftentimes a movie is only as good as their main yes. villain, yes. and. He was absolutely fantastic in every scene that he was in. Every what? time that he was on, I just is, leaned in closer and, and wanted and just tried to soak it can, up. It yeah, you could just you could just tell he is having fun every single moment he's on screen. Yeah, especially during the last yes. battle, and he's quoting Shakespeare at the top of his lungs. Yes, no real good reason for being honest. Well, yeah. okay, and it's just it's. He's. I just. He's a. He's one of my favorite characters in Star Trek. Yeah. I'm not trying to take anything away from your guys' classic maker. What? <laughs> uh, yeah. What is can, this? Can you help me understand why do they say you've and and Christopher Plummer, General Chang doesn't say this specifically. I think it's the daughter of the Chancellor says you you've never experienced true Shakespeare until you've. Uh, heard it in the original Kling, Klingon. Is that okay? Now, first, first off, that was Gorkon that said that. Gorkon said that. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. I've seen the movie a number of times. Okay. So that's not obvious. <laughs> so, uh, no, the, if, do you want the in universe reason or the actual reason? I want to know why they would say the original Klingon, unless they're somehow saying Star Trek is a Klingon. 
All right, there's many layers to this. Yes, one layer is that it's a joke. It is a joke. No, 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 no. I don't accept a joke in Star Trek. And the the reason the writers did it is it's actually a reference to the Nazis claiming William Shakespeare was German. Oh, really? Okay. That is the from the writing room perspective reason for it. In universe, I guess he got exiled to Earth and wrote a bunch of plays that he or translated a bunch of plays he wrote in Klingon into English. So that's he why wa- they say that. So he it's was a, a claim. It's not an actual. They're not saying he. It's more like they're claiming he's Klingon, not that he actually was Klingon. That's, that's just really Klingons would not have known. Hey, if we're going to get deep into lore, the Klingons wouldn't know about Earth till yeah after uh, first contact. So. See that's see Which that's in the point, our joke. It really it is a joke. It is a joke. It threw me for a loop. I'm like, why? What does this mean that you would say that's the original? Eric, they are. It's an excuse so they can translate all of Hamlet into Klingon. Okay, which I own a copy of. All right. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. I can't read any of it because uh, I can read the English side, obviously. Oh, yeah. But I, I can't read any of the Klingon. <laughs> That's funny. Wow. Okay. All right. Uh, fine. Fine, guys. I mean, you could still like General Chang. I just thought but that was it very also strange. Shows that they are well educated. These are not just run of the mill. That, that is a good, that is a good point. Is, yeah. Because in uh, original, if you're looking at this chronologically, the Klingons really hadn't had much uh, exposure to Federation by this time. But mm-hmm. production-wise, this movie came out like in the middle of Next Generation Season 5, in which we'd already had Worf on screen for Whoa. five seasons. Mm-hmm. Right. So a lot of the Klingon culture was written because of that show, and they kind of reported it backwards. Uh. So this is kind of the first time the TOS-era cast is actually seeing a lot of this. Wow. Or, like, okay. Those characters are. Oh, very cool. Okay, okay. So and by the way, uh, Drew you said you can't read the the Hamlet the Klingon uh, translation of Hamlet. Well, enthusiast here in chat says uh, Duolingo has Klingon lessons, so you could take those and uh, maybe we could read it. While I appreciate that, I did own as a child a, a Klingon language guide and a, something a CD called Power Klingon that actually taught you how to speak some things in Klingon, and I remember very little. Oh, okay. Well, There's also a Rosetta Stone that if you hold it just right up to the Klingon moon that's halfway blown away, you can uh, wow. translate it pretty well. Also, one of the translations in Google is Klingon, so there you, you go. can have it translate all your Google searches into Klingon. There you go. Or as it's, or as it's worded, Klingonhol. Yeah. See, universal translator right there. That's great, guys. Okay, well... It's funny that you guys thought General Chang was, or General Chang was your classic maker because Dale here in chat's classic maker was uh, the missile hitting Chang ship <laughs> in the cast. <laughs> that is uh, a great moment. Signing their names in the end credits. That was yes. cool to see that. At first, I was mm-hmm. like, what is this thing I'm seeing? And then I finally got it. Yeah. But none of those. It's what, it's what Avengers Endgame stole their ending from. I still That's haven't right. seen Endgame, so I don't know. Spoiler. <laughs> That's not really a spoiler that they put the that they signed the movie essentially. Oh, okay, yeah. gotcha. Well, and you signing, should go see Endgame. Okay, I'm in the middle of recording a podcast right now, Drew. If nope, you don't mind, not, nope, need to stop. <laughs> None of those are my classic maker, and my classic maker sort of transcends all of the original Star Trek. But I just, it just really resonated with me in this film. 
DeForest Kelly as Bones. I just, I just think he's so great at turning on a dime from being really serious to silly. And I just love that. I just love that in the character. I feel like Carl Urban did a great, did a great version of that in the, yeah. in the Kelvin series. I just, I really enjoyed that character. And I never remember enjoying, uh, uh, bones that much even when we record i know it was like eight years ago now even but, but even when we recorded star trek uh for the voyage home which was i think retro rewind podcast it's really com slash 12 i want to say it's 12 episode 12 but uh don't quote me on that do a search on the site we have a search now uh <laughs> anyway so that was that was my classic maker you're gonna be a grumpy old man when you grow up you love those are your heroes who else is a grumpy old man that's my hero? Um, let's see. You you hate little kids. <laughs> that doesn't mean I like grumpy old men, though. You like Carl Urban's uh, portrayal. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah it all well, lines up. Yeah. Well, it will, it, I will say that, I, of course, I love McCoy. I watched, I've been watching Star Trek since I was young, but mm-hmm. this was the this was a great performance, also considering it was his last time to play McCoy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And you were corrected as episode 12. Nice. Thank you. Thank you for fact-checking me, Drew. Awesome. Hey, I can check my podcast app just as well as anybody else can. Nice. <laughs> good, good, good. You tell the people. Okay. Well, uh, man. So, yeah, DeForest Kelly. But, uh, you know what? There was something else I liked. Oh, man. I. Sorry, guys. I have to go into another like. I'm starting I, to become a trend. Surprise, I forgot. Because, of course, it's P-O-S-T-O-S. He loves Star Trek, but he hates bad Star Trek. Matt McKinney, joined by off-screen Kim and occasionally Drew Bax, the sociopathic Talaxian, take on Star Trek, Smallville, and whatever other shows might appear in his field of vision. You can find P-O-S-T-O-S on YouTube. Just search under the title or at www.pos-tos.com. And... Did they review Star Trek Six: The Undiscovered Country? Maybe. <laughs> I'm just confused. Are, are you saying they don't like Spock's brain? Maybe. Wait, are you are you hating them? No, <laughs> I don't know. I've never heard of this company, this group before. It sounds it's, like something I need to check out, though. It's one of the the sort of shows in the Christian Geek Central network. So uh, if you have uh, yet, if you've been listening for a while, it's like, why is he always doing the same? Same ad reads. Well, they're all members of the Christian Geek Central Network. We do a little inside baseball to you listening to this very episode, which we never say anywhere else. We're probably, we're eventually going to start doing paid uh, ads in this spot, which we did do some. Pay us? Ooh, I need to remember this. (laughs) But (laughs) so we will be doing uh, paid ads. And we actually did some of those when um, that story show was sponsoring us. Uh, so you might remember that. Love that show, right? James and John are fantastic. I've been listening to that show since episode thirty something. Oh wow. my gosh! They're like what? They're six hundreds now. It's crazy. So the, what did that happen? Uh, I know it's Star like, Trek Six. You're right. Out. That story show has nothing to do with Star Trek Six, but POS TOS does because they cover Star Trek. So isn't that obvious, Paul? That's close enough. But let's okay. talk yeah, about covered country. What did you say, Drew? I said, yeah, it's close enough for a change. <laughs> oh, right. burning me here. 
Burning me right up. Where's my aloe vera? Okay, well, all right, fine, Paul. I think, yes, we are right. We should get to some trivia that's on about Star Trek VI proper. And sure. I'm sure you guys realize this because you guys are mega fans. But in case, for those listening, did you realize that the banquet hall used for the formal dinner between the USS Enterprise A senior staff and the Kling- Klingon delegation is just a redress of the observation lounge from the USS Enterprise D, which is the next, next generation Enterprise. And it's funny. Of I course, actually. It's not the only redress either. There's a ton more. Oh, really? Okay. I'll be, ta- I'll be talking more about that in a minute. Okay, okay cool. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually, this is okay. I didn't notice any others, but this one I did notice. I'm like, this looks very, very familiar. There's some very this familiar. This one's about the most this. obvious. Okay. <laughs> but uh, given that, though, guys. If you could dine with any Enterprise crew, Enterprise crew, which would it be? So that I guess that's just I, I original, have a next Two generation. I have, I, have, I, have, I have a question. Which okay. Enterprise? Seventeen oh one, seventeen oh one A, B, C, D, whichever crew. NXO one. Uh, okay, Kirk and his crew, Pike and his crew, or Picard and his crew. Or what's 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 uh, Quam Leap's? Uh, it doesn't Quam Leap do the Enterprise? That's that's in a, that's the original. That's a Star Trek Enterprise. Uh, the NXO one. Okay, so I and forget you, his name. It, it's easier to go by serial numbers when the Enterprises anymore. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Oh, yeah, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> All right, so Quantum Leap counts as well. Yes. yes. Okay. Scott Bakula does count. Okay. So, which so I guess I don't know. know. <laughs> We're just stalling because we don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know who's making the rules here. No, so an enterprise crew, any enterprise crew. You could I, have dinner? You could have dinner with their crew, yes. Um, uh, I have to go original with uh, Kirk and his crew. But I don't think you get a replicator, so who knows what type of like old that's MRE why, meals you're going to get. See, that's why I was actually going to go with Scott Bakula's crew, because they actually have a chef preparing their food. Ooh. No food slots or replicators. And if you drink alcohol, you can get real alcohol. Yeah. Unlike I don't mind everywhere else in Star Trek. Yeah. I don't mind the blue stuff hanging out in my mouth when I eat. <laughs> well, you should be careful with that Romulan ale. It is illegal. Yeah, yeah. That's what I hear. Okay, so uh Drew, I'm hearing the the NX01 you said, the Scott yeah, Bakula the, Enterprise. Yeah, the, the one from Star Trek Enterprise. Okay. And Paul, yours is original Star Trek? Kirk. Kirk. Awesome. For me, I think I'd I think I'd probably want to do uh next generation. I think that'd yeah. just be You've seen that the most. Yeah, actually that's probably why. <laughs> <laughs> You're more familiar with it. Exactly. I want to see uh, Riker p- put his leg over me because I'm so short and uh-huh. onto a stool. I think that'd be amazing. Pre beard or post or with the beard? Uh, ooh, that's tough. If I if I had to pick, it would be after the beard. Then yeah, at least, probably uh, the beard. It looks more right. Yeah. I mean, I think he looks great. I, I like I like him without a beard too. But I think yeah post beard okay anyway plus if you, plus if you go post beard you don't have to worry about running into tasha yar because nobody likes her whoa whoa i'm just here with the hot take shots <laughs> I, I was sad when she left and i was excited when they brought her back but with, from and, timeline and then had her play her daughter yeah <laughs> a half romulan daughter in, in yeah. speaking that of trivia so 
since we're still here and I'm waiting for Paul to take us to the next section, did either okay. of you notice, I noticed in the casting that the person who played the yeoman on the original series for like a season is in, yeah. was on Sulu's ship. Did you notice yeah, that? Or? Grace, yeah. yeah. Great. Grace Lee Whitney was on Sulu's ship. I recognized her immediately. I can't remember the character's name. Oh, okay. She has the name. I can't remember it. <laughs> Fantastic! I'm so glad that she. I think it's Yo- I think it's Yeoman Rand. If I'm I remembering think so. You're, yeah, I think you're right. That's okay. I think there, there was a, there's like two or three Yeoman. I never remember which one's which. Okay. I think well, it's Yeoman Rand because that's the one I remember the name. I yeah. thought that was cool that they brought her back. I uh, for yeah. some, did. I don't know did what the you, story is between why she wasn't on the original for very long, but. Uh, casting. Pretty much. Oh, okay. <laughs> She was an she was essentially an actress that got na- uh, an extra that got a named role eventually because she was on it so much. Oh, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Very cool. If I remember correctly. But uh, speaking of trivia, did you catch that Christian Slater had a cameo? Yes, yes I did. Fantastic. Because his mom was the casting director. Yeah. Is what I what I read. Oh, that's cool. Nepotism at its finest. I didn't know that. No, but that that is cool to hey, see he, him. I was surprised. He got to be told a lot of Starfleet by Sulu. So hey, what are you gonna do? Yeah, totally. Yeah. So, okay, great trivia, Francisco. Thank you, Paul. And I have a now I have the answer to our last audience question, which again was, what baseball movie did we review that starred Tom Hanks? <laughs> starred. I'm uh, sorry with my spelling, Paul. Oh, sorry. Just read them as I see it, folks. All right. So we had two correct answers. Two people with the correct answer of a league of their own. So, Francisco. Uh, spin up the wheel of triviality. All right, here we go. Wheel of triviality. Go. Wheel turn, of turn, turn. Self the trivia that we must learn. <laughs> yeah. So, enthusiast here in chat just got the free uh, Twitch subscription. I forget if you're already subscribed, enthusiast, but if you aren't, you'll be getting a free gifted sub. And thank you for entering. Uh, and did you, you said the answer already, Paul? A league of their own? A league of their own. All right. So now, because of when we are recording these episodes, there is no trivial question this time, but we will have one on the next episode, maybe. We will endeavor to have one on the next episode. But thank you, Exo. And now that we have all had some trivial fun, let's find out what memories you, our awesome rewinders, had about Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. There were a ton. A lot of people had something to say. I was super surprised. We're going to pick the top random ones. Well, so I'll, I'll start with uh, Patrick Edwards and me and Paul will go back and forth. But Patrick Edwards remembered a ton of quotes, uh, a few of them being, those were not his Those were not his knees. I can't believe I kissed you. Must have been your lifelong ambition. That's one that Drew had mentioned before. Uh, second star to the right and straight on till morning. And then Patrick follows that last one with, I'm not crying. You're crying. Shut up and leave me alone. <laughs> Wardell White says the signature ending probably to me the best of the Star Trek movies Uh, Benjamin T. Van Dypen I think that was right says target that explosion and fire Nathan James Norman says one of the best if not the best it was also the first Trek movie I saw in theaters oh cool pink blood (laughs) pink blood yes uh, uh, GG this time for some reason. Well, because it's pink instead of red, I guess. I don't know. It's just that. Anyway. Anyway. James Felix says, you have never experienced Shakespeare until you have read him in the original clan. Which doesn't make any sense. What are you talking about? It's a joke, Francisco. <laughs> Let it go. 
Let Don't start with your frozen with me, Drew. <laughs> <sighs> Jacob Wallace says Francisco should really love the song "I Let It Go." No, he did not say that, Paul. Over and over and over. No, Jacob Wallace says I literally just watched this movie yesterday. That's awesome. What what timing? Uh, Deborah Power says love this movie so much that I saw it three times in the theater. Christian and Nerdy 2.0 says, to be or not to be. Jackie Sculpted from Clay says, my favorite of these movies, you shall be my friend. I don't remember that quote. That's because it's in Star Trek 2, the movie you (laughs) watch. We'll get to it. You'll get to it eventually. (laughs) I'm probably. Here I am inviting me on the episode. I'm not even guaranteed anything. (laughs) This is not going to make sense if you listen to these in movie order. Anyway. Uh, Jory really, oh, Joe This is actually John Wilkerson, but. Says really big hair. I wonder how much they spent on hairspray. And Dirty Steve uh, 40 leads us into our dislike section by saying the Klingons, uh, in parentheses, Russians, uh, plus Starfleet Feds USA equals Cold War themed movie. Hey, it worked for Rambo and Rocky, but not so much here. I got a little Guardians Volume 1 vibe when they go to the prison planet, but man, does this movie drag on and on. I'd rather watch C-SPAN cover the Golden Girls playing Uno and then walk across the subway station bathroom barefoot than watch this movie again. I read a classic piece of studio money money grab. Cash grab. grab. Yeah, I guess that makes more sense. Well, how do you really feel about that, Dre Steve 40? <laughs> but uh, now that he's led us into our dislike section, Alice, why don't you spend up our... Worst three. Worst three things we didn't like about this movie. Uh, let's start with Drew this time. What's something you didn't like? I know you picked this movie, so you love it so, so much. But what's something you didn't like about it? Pepto-Bismol Klingon blood. <laughs> And thankfully, this is the only time they did it. <laughs> so, do is that is that can, canonical for Cleons uh, that they have pink blood? You know, it's it's a lighter color than human blood, but it ain't this color pink. Oh, uh, okay. One, one or two times we've actually seen it before. So. Uh, okay. And, and the, here it just looks horrible. Yeah, especially the 3D of the floating of it. It just yeah. I, I'll admit, as a kid, when I first saw this, probably mm-hmm. in ninety four, ninety five. Mm-hmm. I thought it was amazing, even yeah. though I still hated the color. Yeah. <laughs> well, but, I, I, but that's, it's a different time. So, well, here's the thing, though. They could have done that. You don't need CG for that shot. You just go on one of those uh, planes that go up and down, like they did for Apollo 13, and you can get zero G film. Like, just take some Pepto Bismol and just it, film it. And it's probably less expensive. Yes, exactly. Probably, probably. <laughs> especially at this time. Yeah. So I don't know what they are thinking. And they call me for a consultant. I can tell them what's what. But okay. I don't know. <laughs> but the Pepto-Bismol blood. Got yeah, it. I, I just do not like the color. I just don't like that blood. It it stinks. It they stinks? You could smell it? This again. I don't know if it stinks or not. I'm just saying I don't like it. Oh, oh, oh. It stinks as in uh, this sucks. Okay. I don't like it. Got it. <laughs> Sorry. I got I'm, the, I'm in podcast mode trying to calm my language down. <laughs> <laughs> Appreciate that, Drew. Thank you. Uh, Paul, what about this movie stinks for you? I thought the opening title sequence was... It wasn't? Black, 
white on white text on black background, but it was mostly white text on mostly background. <laughs> so this qualifies. I mean, let's get into the story. You can have the theme playing. Let's move on with it. We don't need a big snooze fest before the explosion, which I think would have been epic to start off just up with that explosion. Hey, you'll just have to wait for insurrection before you get that. Well, you know what? Speaking of that explosion, that's my first dislike. What? That was amazing. No, see, guys. Not to, not to mention uh, that's that effect is now officially called the Praxis effect, I understand. including when they did it on the Death Star. I understand this, guys. But it Here's... should go out of the bubble. Thank not... you. Thank yeah. you, Paul. Exactly. It should be in the sphere. There's no reason it should just be on one plane. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, maybe, I, I mean, you could, I would. It doesn't have to be a perfect bubble that expands or something. It could just be like multi. It should be multi-directional though, not on a two D plane. It's so annoying to me. Oh my gosh! Whether it's, it's a shockwave, yeah, a shockwave from a planet would be in three D space, not two D space. May, what if it's just the visible part that's a flat plane? And besides, it's kind of thick. It's like a big cloud that should be dispersed all around three sixty. Ah, uh, whatever. I think it looked cool. It yeah. looked. I'm not disputing how. Cool it looked. I'm disputing the physics of it. I'm not an astrologer. I just play one on a podcast, but it should have been cir- spherical, not uh not circular. You mean astronomer, not astrologer. <laughs> Don't correct me, XL. I know what I'm saying. <laughs> Let me look at my TVs Gee, now. Hold on. There was, I didn't know this was a fortune telling podcast. <laughs> yeah. Gemini split cause <laughs> An explosion parallel to the split. Paraxis is in, is in retrograde right now, guys. What do you want from exactly. me? All right. <sighs> okay. Two thirds of it are gone. Yeah. Let's go and back. So are, it's like, <laughs> let's go back to Drew. <laughs> Drew, what's something else you don't like about this film? The blatant reuse of all the te- next generation sets. Now, I'm going to admit this might be more personal because I've watched so much Star Trek. Yeah. But uh, like you said earlier, the uh, the uh, dining room scene was a redress of the conference room from Next Generation. The president, the, the Federation president's office is a redress of Ten Forward. The transporter room is a tra- is a redress of the transporter room. What? Most of the hallways come from Next Generation, except they went ahead and put a bunch of stuff on there. In fact, here's a fun thing on the uh, extent the special edition on the DVD. Mm-hmm. If you go and get that version. Uh, it has an extra scene uh, in the president's office, and you can see the doors open. And uh-huh. it is they didn't even bother to take the uh, door labels off ah! of <laughs> the doors on the hall across. So it's, it's the next generation doors that you can <laughs> clearly see through there as uh, Rene Aubergenois, who plays Odo later on, walks in for his cameo before he played Odo. Oh, fun! Wait, was this which with... got completely cut out yeah. in the theatrical version? Is this the president's office, of Red Foreman? That president? Is that Red Foreman? I don't remember the actor's name. For, yeah, from uh, oh, from yeah. that seventy show. I didn't watch that seventy show. Oh, uh, he sorry. is in he is in RoboCop. He was one of the bad guys I've in watched, RoboCop. I've watched that one time. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry, I have a lot of. Uh... <laughs> Yeah, Fu Manchu guy. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. Guy obviously the same species from the helmsman at the beginning of Star Trek Four. Yes. That's not Klingon. Maybe? Yeah. I don't remember. 
I thought it was the same character. It's not. Didn't he it's become not, the president? It's not the same character. Well, that's an awful big promotion in what <laughs> ten years? Well, they, they, Go from the helmsman of a ship in the middle of nowhere to being president of the entire Federation. I mean, I guess it's possible, but yeah, it's still political game. So, so. <laughs> Dale and Chad is telling us that that his the actor's name is Kurtwood Smith. For what reason that doesn't sound right to me, but I'm going to trust Dale. I do remember seeing that name in the credits. I think that's the guy on Neverending Story that tells him that Fantasia's blowing apart, but that's another guy with a long Why mustache. would that classic oh Disney movie gosh. be falling apart? Yeah, because that's the way they wrote it. Oh, golly. Once sakes. again, I have a blind spot there. Here <laughs> we go with Paul's dislike now. Let's move on. You want another dislike besides white text on black background? Yeah. Security. Security. My goodness, this movie could have used some security. When you're escorting Klingons around, you only said one ship? No, you should send at least three, if not more. So if they had more oh, ships around... Sorry. Yeah, if they had more ships around, uh, yeah, we they could have... Anybody could have fired on this and whatever... But, like, let's have more security at this secret meeting. Oh, come on. Where's your security, Star Trek? I don't buy it. Well, could, they yeah. were out of red shirts. Yeah, apparently. Couldn't they have had more, like, Federation ships, too? I mean, why not? I mean, and, like, uh, escorting them and, like, yeah. You think there'd be a couple other Constitution-class ships exactly. hovering around there or, or another Excelsior-class, considering those are the only two models Star Trek had at the time besides the Galaxy. Yeah. So, like, we should. Yeah, heck, you want? He, they should have had an ambassador model by that time, and that would be a new ship for that time period. So that would have worked. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, invite right. James C. Kirk on the Enterprise. Fine. He's like the dog in Pony Show, like at the tail end of this long caravan, you know. So, I I don't know what's up with Starfleet. Yeah, and I mean, even at the end with this, they were trying to hide. And besides, the only the Enterprise and the and the Excelsior are the only ships in the in the entire quadrant of the galaxy. So what do you expect? Yeah, that makes sense. There's that's, only that's two. Nor- that's normal for Star Trek. I'm just wondering why there wasn't a Ballastar Galactica that that would have just been able to take out anything. I'm sorry, they, they have lost. Yeah, no, they would not. Have. They would have won. No, no, I, I didn't say they lost. I said they were lost. They couldn't oh, find their way there. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> They're too busy searching for uh, Earth. That is a fair point. Okay. <laughs> as ridiculous as that dislike was, uh, one last thing I dislike before we get to our tragic makers. Did you just call my dislike ridiculous? No, no, mine of wanting the Battlestar Galactica to be in this movie. Uh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Hey, next, next thing, you're going to expect the Millennium Falcon to show up. I mean, hey, kid, you're all clear. Let's blow this joint go home. <laughs> Which doesn't actually sh- happen until first contact. Oh, my gosh. Anyway, <laughs> one more thing I disliked was the... And, again, maybe maybe you guys have an explanation for this for me. But why, when they're the two... I don't know what their names are. The two assassins that take out uh, Chancellor Gorkon and some of the other guys, they're using phasers. Gorkin, Tom, okay. Sure. <laughs> Whatever. They're using phasers. Uh, don't phasers cauterize wounds? Why are they bleeding out? Phasers do not cauterize wounds. They are not lightsabers. They but are phased energy. But so they're not light? They, they are they don't know. They are energy. They produce light like energy does, but yeah. it, they are not they are they do not heat the body that much, I don't believe. 
but energy rise, which is, is much higher, or they can stun, which much lower, a lot lower. And technically, there is a middle grade used for engineering if you get really deep into the lore that you never only see in one episode of the original series. But they have never actually shown it does not cauterize wounds. Hmm. Or they have never shown it cauterizing wounds in any of the 800 plus Star Trek hmm. stories. I don't know about this. And right, plus, that was cheap for Star Wars to do so they didn't have to put blood in their show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's yeah. fair. So, so wait, so you're telling me that these two guys, if they're assassin, why aren't they using vaporize then? Because that would have set off the alarm. In the Klingon ship, there's already an alarm oh, going. They needed a they needed a body. They need bodies to so that Kirk and uh, McCoy would get uh, blamed. Would get blamed for it. So they they needed a, they needed a crime scene is what it comes down to. It doesn't make sense to vapor. If they're going to vaporize them, they would have just blown up the ship. And why didn't they blow up the ship? That's a good question. Why didn't they do that? Why would General Chang want to blow up his own ship? Because he needed a way to get back. No, 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 no. Why? Because he couldn't come back in the Invisible Bird of Prey. They can fire one cloak. No, no. He could have beamed to the the ship that was... Wait, no, no, no. Not even... General Chang was, wasn't... I don't think... Was only guy only got hawkish after the, after the Chancellor died. I thought... I got the impression no, no, that he no, was no. okay with peace. No, he no, wasn't. No, no, Oh. Je- this... Okay. General Chang is the Kling, essentially the Klingon connection of the three three uh, bang guys who planned this whole deal. The other being Cartwright and the Romulan ambassador, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. who's surprised that the Romulans are involved in something shady? That's nothing new. But uh, uh, he's the one who had the cloaked bird of prey that that could fire. Okay, yeah, and that was uh, there was only the one prototype, and that's the one that fired on the ship in the first place. He would have been on that ship when it fired, but then had to transport back to the the, the main warship in order to arrest Kirk. But why? Because, because there, if, if you listen, if you read the subtitles during the waitlist scene, someone says, "Find Chang." Mm-hmm. So apparently, nobody on the ship knows where Chang is. Okay, so here's the thing. Why, why even, here's the, oh, here, okay, here's my Francisco's Fabulous Fan Fictions. Oh, here we go. Why not have Chang escape on an escape pod, then he can still get picked up and still accuse Kirk, hey, they they destroyed Chancellor Gorkin's ship. And then, okay, then they have to stage all this thing. Well, they do have to stage it somewhat because they Chang did not expect Kirk to surrender. He was expecting to be able to, to they would attack and right. they would get to blow the Enterprise up. Right. With the invisible ship. Great for Chang with an invisible right. ship. After they destroyed the 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 the, the Klingon thing, and somehow I guess Chang would have flown back. I don't know. Earth with one stone. Yeah, mm. you get the Chancellor out and get rid of Kirk. Yeah. I'm thinking my fabulous fan fiction. Stays as the better script, but we'll continue. Yeah. <laughs> also, there, there's there's another thing. Oh, Klingons generally consider it better to die than to run away. Which getting in an escape pod would appear to be running away, which would have dishonored him as a Klingon, and he would have he would not allowed be allowed to stay in his position. But he way. could have put laser beams on his escape pod and actually started attacking. Then he shark. Also, a third thing: there are no escape pods on Klingon vessels. <laughs> 
Well, that was their first mistake. <laughs> okay. They don't. They don't. They don't run away. They die in battle. That is the, well. The, the why don't they? Okay. Don't don't escape pod it. Segment off like the enter like the Enterprise does into different pieces, like a like a Voltron and attack. From several different Klingon sections. Klingon ships are actually so are so uh, they're so minimalistic. If you remember from Star Trek Four, that they have don't have much in the way of even creature comforts, much less ways to save anybody. They'd rather everyone on the ship die in an explosion than to let anyone uh, be dishonored. That's I'm, actually standard Klingon procedure. I'm sorry. If you can build a whole tank to house a humpback whale and a Klingon ship that's bare bones, I'm sure you can figure out a way to make it so it segments off into a hundred different little star fighter guys to attack so that, a thing. Okay. Yeah. That, that's the, that's the villains from Star Trek Enterprise. They, they hated them. They didn't, they're not going to copy them. <laughs> and I'm sorry, Francisco. It is a good day to die. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, given that, let's move on to the Anything things that shoot down. should have died about this movie, our tragic makers for Star Trek VI, An Undiscovered Country. Uh, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just continue on my, my, my blustering with this movie. So there were, there, there's this <laughs> opening explosion in the beginning where they're trying to pin uh, the Chancellor Gorkin's uh, assassination and ship being fired on on the Enterprise and Kirk. And then we get mm-hmm. to the end where we have them trying to find General Chang's ship and he's cloaked and then they're like, oh, well, let's fire this torpedo that's going to lock onto his, his gas and stuff. And then, and then the Excelsior comes in and, and that was cool to see, but I think I remembered it as way cooler and I was wanting the climax to be way more spectacular. So right. I was let's actually, dog fight. yes, I was yeah. very, I think, I think the Kelvin Star Trek sort of ruined me. You want, you want to... ships the size of Star Destroyers to have dogfights? No. Wait, <laughs> they're the size? size. Well, no, but you could have cool like phasers going off everywhere and photon torpedoes going and maybe more, more birds of prey come in. And I don't know. Just like, like I just really pull this off in Star Wars at this time. <laughs> you Star Trek to pull it off on the on ILM because it is ILM that did the special effects you expect them to be nicer to Star Trek than their own movie franchise Drew I'm just saying I wish it was more spectacular some way somehow I don't disagree with you there but I still think it works it's, oh no it's not it's not bad I'm not saying it's bad but I my memory of it sort of inflated it to be better than it was and when I sort of got there I'm like oh that's it it, oh. it is a little, I will say, I love the ending, but it is, on another hand, if you think about it in a different way, it's a little anticlimactic thinking, oh, you're invisible? Well, then I'll just shoot a heat-seeking missile at you and blow you up. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It is, it is the only time they tried to use a heat-seeking thing to blow up a cloaked ship. Mm-hmm. So it's why, the only time they ever did it. Why, so. why don't they ever use that in the future? <laughs> like, because... Right. Because Romulan Bert, Romulans are cloakers, right? Are they cloakers? Yes, but cloakers? That's <laughs> right. That's the word. <laughs> they do have cloaking devices, yes. However, if we're really going to get into this. <laughs> are you a, a cloaky or a cloaker? <laughs> Romulan warbirds and Romulan birds of prey have an entirely different propulsion system that is not actually based on the same principles that Federation and Klingons use. They have ionized gas being coming out their quote-unquote tailpipe. They use 
quantum singularity somehow crammed into a into a box. So they're I'm, powered on black holes. I'm sure they could go into the 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 uh so the uh, warp sub stream thing to find whatever they need. <laughs> Are you warp speed is not hyperdrive. No matter what JJ Abrams tried to make it look no, like. No, no, I'm I'm, I'm going back. back. I'm I'm thinking Star Wars episode 7 and Star Trek 2009. I'm thinking it is literally warp speed is literally traveling faster than the speed of light in the time warp bubble. I understand this. I'm t- I'm thinking back to me. What? Let me talk to you. I'm thinking back to uh to my Voyager days, thinking how oh we gotta look for the the subspace signature to find our way back to Earth or whatever. Of technology beyond. They knew how to get back to Earth. It just was gonna take them seventy five years. Well, whatever, whatever. They did stuff with the subspace and the warp drives and the gadgets and the who's it's and stuff. So I'm like, why not just do that? Wait, that's your tragedy? You are expecting a ship from the 23rd century before they redrew the friggin' warp scale to do something in the 24th century oh. that, that, whose warp scale is completely different? Their no. warp 5 is the original. Listen. Warp Listen. 10. All I'm saying. Something like that. More Federation oh, yeah. ships, more Klingon ships fighting. That's all I want. Now. So who's the gadgets? Drew, what was if you your? That, if you want that, go to dis- the uh, Discovery season two finale where you got Discovery no. and the Enterprise fighting off no. a horde. I want in a movie. I want in this movie, Drew Tragic Maker. Go. Oh sure, uh, Valeris is a poor man's Lieutenant Savick. Val- from Star Trek. Who, who's Valeris again? Valeris is Kim Cattrall. Oh okay, thank you. So, and who's she a poor uh, man of? Kirstie Alley and uh, Robin Wright's characters from Star Trek 2 and 3, because they played the same character. Oh, okay. Star Trek 4. Oh, okay. Uh, so. this was the, 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 in the original writing of this movie, uh, Valeris was meant to still be Savick. Uh, but. Okay. It, when they originally writing the oh, movie, they could, oh, oh. They and Savick is Kirstie Alley slash Robin Wright. Right. Okay. Not okay. Robin Wright, but close enough. <laughs> no, you're right. It isn't Robin Wright. I can't. Robin Curtis. I think it's oh, Robin Curtis. Okay. I don't know. I'm a horrible Star Trek fan at the moment because I can't remember this one person. <laughs> so but, the uh, the pit of despair and no, <laughs> not, no, 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 no. Let me let me start over. Falling okay. down. <laughs> Kirstie Alley's character from Star Trek Two and yes. whoever played her in Star Trek Three and Four, mm-hmm. uh, they because they could not get either one of those actresses to return for their role, they. They were going to hire a third person to play it, but it was decided there was no point in having a third person play this same character. The only character. So just make a new character. They they just create a new character that is, in essence, the same character. They just made her instead of being a half Vulcan, half Romulan, to being a full Vulcan. Got it. She's not that character because I liked that character and I didn't want her to to see her betray. I actually like that too, but at the same time, because I can, I know that's who it was supposed to be. Oh, admittedly, not fair. Mm -hmm. I see all the quote unquote savickness of the character in this character. Yeah, and that annoys me to such a degree because then, while it's now a poor man's Lieutenant Savick. They then the entire point of her character in this movie was let's have her betray everybody and make you hate this character from when she showed up in Star Trek Two. See, here's here's another Francisco. It's meta. <laughs> it's a meta problem. 
like Francis. <laughs> Here, here's another Francis Fabulous fan fiction for you. Oh, why, not, <laughs> why not bring the yeoman from the original series back? And she's playing this this character type, or no one would. Only very few people would actually notice her. But here's the thing: fans would be like, "Oh, cool, she's coming back." And then to have her betray them would be like, "What?" It's uh, horrible. Say, I, think, idea. I think the uh, first Mission Impossible film did this, and that pissed off a lot of TV shows fans. Yeah, it alienated all the original fans. Yes. So no matter how good the Tom Cruise Mission Impossible is, it alienated all the original show's fans. Well, they're going right. to go on to do that with 2009 anyway. So, I mean, just get started early. <laughs> all right. You are hey, not hey, on. I will defend those movies <laughs> okay. if, if we were close enough to actually defend them, because I don't think we're that far out. I'm not so in discord. I don't know what you're talking about, good listener. Okay. So <laughs> let's go. Let's finish this up. With Paul, what was your tragic maker for Star Trek Six? Um, the original crew of the and when I say original crew, I mean um, I know Pike and all of them as before. Original cast, yeah. But it, anyway, Kirk's crew mm-hmm. basically racist. The, <laughs> the the crew that I decided that I would have dinner with is racist. Um, <laughs> And so I admittedly, and, I have the same problem, Drew, that I know a little too much behind the scenes, which actually makes it even worse mm-hmm. that um, that uh, uh, Gene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek, didn't like the script. Yeah, I heard that. Too. Oh, yeah. In fact, I this movie and five were both considered apocryphal by Gene Roddenberry. It's not actually canon. Mm. Not that, that matters anymore. Right. But the fact that the crew was so racist and... Mm-hmm. and uh, William Shatner's line when he says, uh, for example, uh, let them die wasn't he what William Shatner says Kirk would never say that. That that's just too far. So William Shatner yes, says But this is after the point in time where Gene Roddenberry had started believing his own hype and nearly had nearly crashed next generation two seasons into it because he didn't want any drama on the Enterprise. Granted, so I'm saying he may not know how to write a TV show or a, or, or a story at this point. As much as I appreciate what Gene Roddenberry did, sure. Gene Roddenberry aside, it's still he was George Lucasing before it was cool. It, it was it was still I thought uneven to see uh, everyone being uh, every one of the 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 main crew the main characters to be hesitant and negative towards this experience. No one, there wasn't a balance of, I, that's fine as if people wanted to be like, okay, I don't like them. They killed my son. Mm -hmm. That's fine. But let's also have other people like Spock going, no, this is a good opportunity here. But everyone else seemed to be like, no, these are dog animals that were, that were being forced to entertain. Mm Mm-hmm. I think we'll we'll go into that a bit more in our spiritual speculation. And I do want to point out though that Paul is in my opinion and I'm this guy who will will uh say we should be called United Statesian to my death, but uh I will I do want to point out that I think hey, Paul you we're say Americans all the, both North and South America are both technically American and we're there so we are Americans. Just yeah. sort of the Canadians and the Mexicans and but Chileans see, and the I'm not going to get into this conversation right now. <laughs> I agree with both of you. Join me on stream <laughs> on twitch.tv slash retro rewind pod. Like these fine people on a game night, Pixar night, you'll get, you could get me going with that whole spiel. 
But I will want to say that uh, racism in terms of like human, it's technically I think you can't call humans uh, racist against each other. We're ethnicists or color or skin toneness, melatoninness, whatever you want to call it. But racist is to another like an alien race. So I think I'm mm-hmm. just saying, Paul, you're using that appropriately. I wanted to congratulate oh, yeah. you. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> okay. Well, so aside from uh, Paul wanting to dine with racists, I think uh, that's... <laughs> uh, I think with that, we've entered all our trajectories into the firing computer. Alice, do you have a firing solution for us? Firing solution complete. Rating salvo at the ready. On your mark. All right, we've put our our rating uh, salvo torpedoes. We've equipped it with the the gas firing or gas seeking thing. So I think we're ready to go. Drew, you picked this movie as your patron pick episode, and you uh, predicted it to be classic. What was your final rating for Star Trek Six: oh, The Undiscovered classic. Country? Sorry, I jumped ahead again. <laughs> so it's tragic. Wow. Okay. No, that's no, no, it's classic. Shocking. So tra- so classic. It's tragic. Man, no, I, no, no. man, this is really You're shocking. my rating for Star Trek Five with Star Trek Six. <laughs> oh, oh, I do that at That's times. The problem. No, no, it's this is a classic movie. I actually it wrote is. down T as in trash. <laughs> <laughs> classic, okay, classic. Okay, yeah, got it. It is a classic for me. It's a classic for Drew. Awesome. Uh, and since you're new here, Drew, what makes a classic movie for you? I, me and Paul have different sort of right. markers for that. What for you? What is it? For me, a classic is something that is well-made and I will love to watch over and over and over again. Okay. So, like, very replayable and that you like how and well it, it was made. Unless it's just a goofy comedy like uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail, which is a classic anyway, so... <laughs> Have I mentioned and that Drew was never seen on the Retro Rewind podcast again. It's funny. His his name never comes up in the spinner. It's, it's so odd. <laughs> That's no, that's fine. I totally, I I like that you feel comfortable enough here to give me grief, grief about that, Drew. That's awesome. It's okay, that's hey, I've, been listening to, I've been listening for to nearly every episode over the course of the last year. I don't know, be comfortable with you by now. You're Too okay comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> uh, not respecting the opinions of others and almost being racist. <laughs> <laughs> Paul, what is your uh, final rating? I predicted nostalgic mm-hmm. and. Um, one of the things that Star Trek is best known for is having making a commentary on its time, and hmm. this movie does that. It was a commentary of the Berlin Wall falling down that that time period <laughs> when the USSR was dismantling, mm-hmm. and because of that, I think it steps beyond nostalgic and goes into classic. That I would oh, recommend wow. anybody watch this as uh not only a good science fiction film but also in the in the political the way they handle the political dealings of uh the time and Mm. that we can learn from that okay very very cool so two classics for me i predicted it was going to be tragic and unfortunately i didn't stick with tragic i actually bumped it up to nostalgic (laughs) (laughs) i i and I really, a lot of it, I think I really like the story. I was engaged with it a lot. But yeah, I sort, it sort of just fizzled out for me at the tail end of the movie. 
So it's not really one I'm going to want to watch again. Uh, if my kids really get into Star Trek, I'm not going to like say, no, you cannot see this movie or anything like that. But uh, it's it's just... You guys want to see some pink blood? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they're in the mood for that, then maybe. But no, for, for me, though, I could see... I it wasn't so bad it was a tragic like oh my gosh no one should ever see this movie it's so it's that bad but for me it's 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 rewatchable if you're doing like a oh I got to watch all the through all the star treks again that type of thing it's not like one where I'd say you should skip it I but it's not one where I'm like oh yeah I got to go back to that I got to watch this again it's so awesome I loved it so much it wasn't anything like that for me so I'd like to say I'm surprised, but I'm not. <laughs> At least I didn't rate it tragic. Okay, Drew. <laughs> I'll give you that. I'll give you that. <laughs> and uh, Dale in chat, he thought I was nostalgic. So thank you, Dale. You're on the on the right side here, I'd say. Uh, that's how Bobo said. If you don't like six, you're going to hate five. Well, I fell asleep during five. So that's very likely. Anyway, according that to... That was a blessing in disguise. <laughs> Bro, your boat. But isn't Doug Brown in five? No, he's no, in three. three. <laughs> you need to watch these in order so that you know. According to the Retro Rewind podcast, we let you know that Star Trek VI is a disputed classic film. We'd recommend anyone go out and watch this. I didn't tell you what classic disaster tragic meant, but a classic movie is one where we recommend anyone go out and watch it, whether or not you've seen it before. But now it's time to get back to our own time, good old 20XX. 20XX. Comsat online. Receiving incoming transmission. Feels good to be back, but we wouldn't have been able to travel back to 1991 to begin with. Our com links are broken. Oh, oh. I have this set to music. I don't know what what's going on here. Sorry, sorry. It's, it's better now. Row, 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 row. But we could have gone back to 1991 to begin with, if, if it weren't for our amazing reflux capacitors, namely Jared Holzauer, Deborah Powers, Brian Keane, Patrick Hicks, L.J. Lowry, Chris Cowan, the Feeling Film Podcast, Chris Owens, Geek Devotions, the Untold Podcast, Mrs. Lomax, James Kesson, Daryl Hafner, Kevin Joshua Burnham, Drew of the Cellcast. Whoa, he's right there. Oh, my goodness. I know that guy. <laughs> Ashley Cronenbitter, Pastor Deuston, and Kenneth and Cummings, in addition to five other awesome patrons as well. Thank you all so, so, so much for keeping the gigawatts coming. And if you want to help keep us flying for as little as $1 a month and get bonus content for your generosity, head over to RetroRewindPodcast.com slash support to see how. And while we're thanking our supporters, we also want to give a big Starfleet hug to our subscribers. And uh, thank you for doing that on Twitch, which is another way to send us a couple bucks a month. And if you have Amazon Prime, you can subscribe for free. You can find out how at RetroRewindPodcast.com slash Twitch Prime. But hey, let's keep the gratitude train going now because we love hearing from you, be it uh, Apple Podcast Reviews, uh, Pod Chaser Reviews, comments on our website, or through our contact form. But hey, we don't have any new feedback. Uh, but let's say you've left us feedback, you've given us a review on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and everywhere else. You're like, so I, I can't do anything else, Francisco or Paul or Drew. Uh, 
here's what you could do. Share this podcast with a friend. It's okay if you go up to them and say, hey, have you ever heard of the Wetro Rewind? It's fine. It, it's okay. <laughs> say it wrong. They'll be like, what is this baby podcast? No, no, no. I misspoke. The Retro Rewind. And then they're going to say, whoa, that sounds cool. Where is it? <laughs> Hopefully it'd be that amazing of a transaction. Transaction? Whatever. You know what I mean, because you're awesome. But exchange. Exchange, sure. But yeah, share the podcast with a friend that you know likes uh, older movies and or games. RetroRewindPodcasts.com slash 198 is the place to find timestamps for this episode, links to contact us, and links for voting on the movies you want us to review. But that's not the only place you can re reach us. Paul, where else can people find the show and also yourself? Feel free to talk to us and share anything you like or find funny that is 15 years or older on our social media. We are Wetua Rewind Pod. <laughs> no, we are not. We are Retro Rewind Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can join our Discord server by going to RetroRewindPodcast.com slash Discord. Also, I've mentioned we are on Twitch. You can watch and chat with us live like these fine people are doing right now. They're even asking us why right now. <laughs> I don't know, Dale, why? But you can uh, join the fun as we uh, do podcasts, play video games, retro ones, or pixel art. You can follow us at twitch.tv slash retro rewind pod. And if you want to find me, Paul J. Powers, you can go to pauljpowers.com and stop by and say hi. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for being an awesome friend, awesome co-host. Thank you for being the bones to my Kirk. Uh, you're welcome. <laughs> The McCoy to my I, Kirk? All highly illogical. Oh, my God. <laughs> but I really appreciate getting to do this show with you, Paul. Likewise. I really do appreciate you inviting me on, especially inviting our guests for tonight for Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country. Drew Doggin, please. Or is it Dodgin? Sorry. It's, it's Dodgin. Yes. It's, like, the it's like what? Yeah, it's, it's like dodging, but without the last G. So you're dodging. Yes, Drew, Drew, Drew Jodgett. See, that's also none a of this is new. None of this yeah. is new. I'm used to people All screwing right. my name up, so no worries. So, Drew Dodgett, please tell us how we can find you online. And is there anything you're you would like to promote? Oh, I've got a couple things I'd like to promote. Uh, I have a, I run a podcast with a friend of mine called uh, the Cellcast, where we review animated movies. Uh, we have no time limit, unlike y'all, but we tr do try to uh, do stuff, not just the, the big stuff everyone knows, like the Disney stuff, Pixar stuff. We also run uh, random stuff uh, you, you haven't heard of from in years. It was like direct videos. Like uh, recently, we just did uh, Animaniacs, Wacko's Wish. Yes. And back in October, we did uh, Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Whoa. I think, Paul, haven't you been wanting to do a Scooby-Doo uh episode for a yeah, while. apparently i'm on the wrong podcast <laughs> <laughs> have it you helps that my, that my co-host is a scooby-doo fanatic oh wow <laughs> you are on the wrong podcast paul <laughs> uh i'm curious have you ever covered the movie fire and ice which is like a rotoscoped we animation movie have not oh, it's okay. not come up and I'm you not call yourself an animation podcast jeez Eventually, we get around <laughs> a lot. There's a lot of movies. There are. <laughs> it's true. There's actually animated movies than most people think about. I, you know what? Yeah. I would not be surprised. But that's awesome. How, 
And where can people find that show? Uh, uh, you can find that at, uh, of course, your favorite podcast catcher. You can find it on I, on Apple Podcasts. Yeah, I almost did iTunes too. You can do it on Apple. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, and uh, pretty much give us a search in any 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 of those uh, any of your favorite podcast catchers. Awesome. Uh, and uh, check our our website at thecellcast.podbean.com. And I have to say this because. People always will misspell cell. It is only a single L. It is just C E L. Don't look for the, don't look for the cell C E double L. That might get you something a little nasty, and I don't want anyone anyone to fall into that. Is celluloid spelled with only one L? Is that why you chose one L? I don't know, but every time I looked up the words animation cell, it was always with a single L. Oh, okay. So it, and I th- I think that's just what they call that. I think that's just the shortened version of it. That's why it's a single L. Gotcha. Okay. Very, very cool. And uh, I also have another podcast. Another podcast? Yeah, we do live action movies. Ooh. It's called uh, the Movie of the Week podcast. Mm-hmm. And uh, you should look that. We pretty much do take care of anything of your live action movie needs there. We do that with my co-host's uh, brother. I should say my co-host from the Cellcast. His name is Jacob. And then the uh, movie of the week podcast. I, I'm with I'm with him and uh, his brother Jim, mm-hmm. and we record we review live action movies, and we try to keep that one a lot shorter because uh, Cellcast usually ends up being like an hour to an hour and a half long. Mm-hmm. So, uh, movie of the week we try to keep to about thirty minutes. Okay, nice. <laughs> Is it just a drive to work uh, length show? Perfect. Kind of a deal. Yeah, yeah. What is it? Any year or is there a certain yeah, any, any year? Oh, we're at, now the we are. Tr- well, before every all the movies got delayed, we had it planned to the teeth where we were going to try and hit a bunch of the movies that were going to come out this year. We were going to try and get everything that led up to it, oh, with yeah, the yeah. exception of uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, because that was going to be impossible sure. to get 25 movies in before Black Widow. But uh, we pretty much are trying to... Right now, we're stuck trying to play catch-up uh, to make sure we watch all the prequel stuff before we get to the new movies that are coming out. Cause we do try to do new movies also, mm-hmm. but uh, eventually we'll finally get caught up enough. Where we can do some older stuff too. Well, we the don't o- want to do any kind of movie. The only one you really need to catch up on is watching Top Gun to prepare for Maverick. I mean, really that's the only that movie coming out that matters. On the schedule. Good. As it should uh, be. Even though we don't know if Maverick's going to get delayed or not, that we'll yeah. see how that happens. It'll but, uh, well, event we did just recently go through uh, King Kong, the original King Kong, hmm. uh, the original Godzilla, and just tonight we recorded our episode for King Kong versus Godzilla, the original nice. King Kong versus Godzilla. That was those are some fun reviews. I'm not sure when those are going up, but so keep it, I would listen out for that. Did you do the the original King Kong on the Cellcast? No, we did that on Movie of the Week. But it's there's so much animation because Peter Jackson loved him some Weta animation for King Kong. Uh, I think you're talking about up on podcast first. <laughs> I'm not saying it won't ever come up. We it ended up on Movie of the Week first because we were trying to get a bunch of stuff in before Kong versus Godzilla at the end of the year. I'm just trying to be silly, thinking that uh, that yeah, the original that Peter Jackson's is the original. I know it's not. I'm just being. Ridiculous. Oh, I didn't think you meant the Peter Jackson one, because Peter Jackson actually did like the original King Kong. Oh yeah, I know. Days. I was, I was being Mister Francisco. The- Francisco doesn't know what's going on. It's zany hey, and goofy. Hey, I'm, just, I'm just letting, I'm just schooling you, bro. <laughs> here's, an, here's another fun schooling. Celluloid has two L's. Oh man! Now, yeah, 
up animation cell and tell me how many L's it's got. Yeah, no, animation cell, whenever they talk about that, that only has one L. That doesn't yeah. make any sense. Why would they yeah. do that? I agree. Jeez. <laughs> anyway. But they, I have to spell my podcast name out for people. Nah, so true. Regardless of how much you have to spell it, thank you, Drew, so much for being on the show. It's a pleasure having you on. And thank you for picking this movie. And hopefully you can come back on again. Oh, I'd love to. Awesome. For like, you wanted to be on for a Star Wars movie, right? I can do a Star Wars movie. <laughs> There's no say, no, only Star Trek for Cisco. No, no, no. See, here's the thing. I am one of those Star Trek fans who, while I was on the Star Trek war side of the war for a long time in the 90s, uh, I kind of learned I liked Star Wars too, and for different reasons. Because they're not really, they're rather rivals. They're not really fighting the same battle. So. Yeah. Yeah, totally. One and one happens in the future. One happened a long time ago. So really, they they never meet. And one one has real science fiction. The other is a fantasy set in space. Real science fiction. Real. It's more real than Star Wars. That doesn't mean and it's most, real. And, and most space operas. Anyway, I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate Paul, but mostly, 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 I appreciate you. Yes, you listening right now, Kirk. Leonard, DeForest. I mean, I really appreciate you listening right now. Uh, wherever you yeah, are, yeah. whatever you're doing, whether this is your first time listening to the show or you're a part of our Rad Rewinder community, thanks for spending time with us, and we pray you are more joyful now than when you first hit play. I have been and continue to be Francisco Ruiz. Find me on Twitter and Instagram at FXRUIZX, and you can hire me to do pixel art illustrations for you by contacting me via DM through either of those places or through Retro Rewind Pod would probably work too, but uh, FXRUIZX to keep it separate. And finally, we are proud to be part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. You can catch us at CGC or our website, but like a Pokemon, we gotta catch you all for Final Fantasy VII, our next episode of the Retro Rewind Podcast. Retro Rewind Mission Complete. Proceed to Nap Point Omega and return to base. Start to the right and straight on till morning. Great. I hate Peter Pan. (laughs) (laughs) Paul, you know what time it is? Is it time for Young Indiana Jones? Yeah, I guess it is. Oh, come on! Then it is something that man was not meant to disturb. Trust me. Are you making this up as you go along? Yeah. Serious! Don't believe me. You will, Dr. Jones. Mission accomplished. No throttle. No break. Those people are trying to kill us. I know, Dad! It's a new experience for me. Happens to me all the time. All righty. Welcome, welcome to our monthly installments of Young Indiana Jones reviewing each episode, even though they're not the original airing episodes. It's really wonky. We explained this in the last episode, uh, which I forget what which episode that was a part of. Basically. Oh, I just listened to this episode. What was it? <laughs> I'm a month behind. So. Yeah, no, no worries. But I think it was Young Guns. 
Yeah, yeah. that sounds right. Yes, yes, yes. Because Young Guns, Young Indiana Jones, that's what happened. Yeah, that makes sense. And George Lucas has re-edited all the episodes for home video, spliced them together in 22 different chapters. Each about a movie length, an hour and a half to two so hours. So silly, so silly. Anyway, uh, where well, is George Lucas? <laughs> yes. So today we're covering chapter three called Perils of Cupid, which stars the younger Indiana Jones, Corey Carrier, mm-hmm. who's about nine years old at this time because it combines two episodes, one with titled from Vienna, November 1908. And Florence, May 1908, but was actually re-edited for the home video to be, again, November 1908. But basically, these two episodes are Young Indian Love and then Forbidden Love. You want me to go into the more of the plot? Mm, I guess. All right. The plot is uh, Henry Jones Sr., the father, Junior. takes his wife and son, and his son, Junior, <laughs> who he calls Henry. And never, but everyone else calls him Indy for some unexplicably re- unexplicable reason. Anyway, he must look like a dog. Yes, <laughs> named after the dog. <laughs> of course, the the boys tutor. They take him to the world's first psychoanalytical conference in Vienna, Austria, 1908. Young Indy because meets, that's exciting. Yes, <laughs> young Indy meets Princess Sophie Sophie of Austria, daughter of Archduke Franz Ferdinand, and develops deep feelings for her. He even asks Sigmund Freud. That's a Bill and Ted joke. That's why you guys were talking about Bill and Ted. No. Oh. <laughs> also, Carl Jung and Jung. Albert Jung, Walker. Paul. It's not Jung. <laughs> okay, him too. <laughs> yes, the, them three for love advice. And on their next stop in Florence, Anna Jones, the mother, becomes the object of affection for a persuasive opera composer. Giacomo Puccini with her husband away in Rome. Anna is torn between her feelings for her husband and the impulsive Italian. All right, guys. Well, that's uh, thank you, Paul, for those uh, factoids about Young Ann Jones, episode three. One, chapter I wish three. chapter three, chapter I wish I never have to watch. Uh, what? But uh, let's talk, let's go real quick. We'll just do like, essentially classic makers and tragic makers. So, uh, Drew, uh, this is your first time. Uh, actually, let me ask you: Is this your first time watching any of this series? Yes, even though I did actually own one of these that came with a box set I got oh. of Indiana Jones oh, okay. way back in the VHS days. Mm-hmm. I don't know oh, yeah. which one it was, and I no longer have it. Oh, sure. <laughs> but I remember having it, and I never watched it. So <laughs> that's go. fair. And if this is any indication, that was a good choice. <laughs> Well, wow. okay. Tell us what was a good choice from a story or character point for this, uh, either or both of these two episodes spliced together for Perils of Love. I liked Princess Sophie. I thought she did a pretty decent job on yeah. playing that role. She was I, cute. I did, I, and I felt sorry for her in a couple instances. Oh, but uh, oh, yeah, just I, her character. You mean her character? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the acting was for her was good too, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was an interesting least part of the story. It was kind of more, that part of it was more of a classic uh, Rapunzel style story, but without hair, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and I enjoyed that. I, I enjoyed that almost a retooling of that kind of story. Okay. Nice. 
Cool. I, I, go ahead, go Paul. Ahead. <laughs> I'll, 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 I'll wrap up the likes since it sounds like you didn't like it. Okay. Well, my likes uh, pretty much come in the form of uh, two of the characters. One of them is the I I really liked seeing Mox Van Sindo. I'm saying his name totally Mox wrong. Van, Max von Sydow. Max that von Sydow, who or just the, recently or the guy died. Who died at, yeah. Yeah, he just recently died at the record, time of this recording. And it, he played Freud. I really liked hit. I didn't really care for Freud, the character, but I liked seeing him play him. And I really liked the interchange and the sort of philosophical interchange that him and Jung and the other guy, <laughs> no one knows, yeah. or at least I don't know, uh, what they had to say about love and just the different perspectives. I thought that was cool. Just it, it sort of allowed the viewer to make up their own mind about it. So I liked his character in particular. I like those three characters, but his character in particular. And then in the second episode, you know, I do you recall what's the name of the the Indies Juniors uh, Henry's his uh, uh, the tutor? What's her name? Do you recall Paul or Drew? Uh, no, <laughs> um, so memorable. We've only seen by Margaret Isaac, <laughs> but. Shoot! Wow, you I'm remember her honest, actual name? Since I, since I didn't watch the first two, I didn't know she was his tutor. I just thought she was this really random woman <laughs> that was following them at the beginning, and then all of a sudden, oh, they know each other. Okay, what? cool. Why does she keep telling him to do schoolwork? It's so confusing. Yes. Well, by the by that time, I understood who she was, but I didn't know who the two people following them for a long time were. I actually thought she was uh, the princess's uh, oh. uh, guardian. Gotcha. For a, for a bit. So. Gotcha. Okay. Well, whatever her character's name was, the tutor for Indy, I, I, the way she talked with, um, Indy's mom after she had had this, uh, emotional affair, to yeah. say the least. Uh, there was some physical, physicality, but mainly an emotional affair with Puccini. How yeah. she just sort of laid it out. You know what? You're, you these are the choices ahead of you you are you making sure you're making the right choice not like judging her at all not um but telling her this is these are the paths you have make sure you're fully aware which one you're going to get into and i really i really liked how she tackled that she wasn't she was still honoring saying i really appreciate who you are as a person and i i wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting yeah. that type of interaction so the, the yeah. those are my chief likes in these she, Movie. She handled it with tact and grace. And yes, yes. It, yeah, and especially as as someone who's coming from an employer and employee relationship, but yeah. still have that respect. Mm -hmm. I thought, yeah, that was a fine line that she walked really well. Yeah, I and agree. and I think only a character that's like an uh, uh, older, like an uh, elderly woman, elderly man are the type of people that have that type of wisdom and life experience to give that type of advice. So I really like seeing that come from someone who's older and not a teen who thinks he, they know everything. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with both of, of you. I liked both of those things and just something to add to it. Mm. I thought was kind of cheesy, but actually kind of cool at the beginning of the, the forbidden love affair. Um, which actually I thought was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, is this why we never see Indy's mom in the movies? Like, <laughs> like she ran away? Like, they're going to deal with some real life stuff here. Like, this is interesting. That would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
But at the beginning, uh, the tutor was explaining how physics worked, the different laws of the physics mm-hmm. and how Indy was repeating it and how it was explained while, while showing the mom's relationship with the dad at the same time and how when they're far apart versus attraction and all, how it correlated, like, if it was an watch, interesting metaphor for what was yeah, go, the, the was subtext. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And if you just watch it for like, oh, she's about to have an affair. Well, why? It's, it's interesting to bring in physics and see how like, well, even if you break it down to the physical component to how the way things interact with the laws of nature, this is not just random. These things, things can build towards a way where things can happen like this if you let it. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I thought in some of the ways it, it was very interesting and very, um, I, I would want to say, I don't want to say adult oriented because I, I mature. Hate that for, yeah, more mature, um, writings in that way to help keep the family interested. It's not just, um, something that the kids could watch because they can relate to the boy and his like wanderings and adventure, but also something for the adults to latch on to. Okay. Very cool, guys. All right. Well, so those are the things we liked about this episode or this chapter. What didn't we like about it? I'll go first. Oh, all right. <laughs> I was all ready to go, but okay, go ahead, Paul. I, I, generally, I liked it. I liked the boys' oh, really? adventures. Okay. Like about this. So, yes, again, it's a product of the '90s. It's slower, but if you're in that, if you're if if you don't have this go go go, I need to be entertained left and right, checking my phone notifications all the time, and actually slow down. To this very slow pace. I need um, more Federation ships and more clean out birds of prey in this episode. If you're gonna add exactly. There was only one prototype. Let's not go there. <laughs> yeah. So I would just say that it's the slowness of it that I didn't like. So okay. uh you can take it from there. Oh okay. How about you, Drew? What what didn't you like? And you didn't so you didn't finish the the uh, yeah, second admit, part, not, right? I only got about an hour into this before I shut it off. Okay. And the reason is, I'm going to be honest, it, the, once we got into the Vienna part, mm-hmm. it got really boring really fast. That's where it got yeah. boring for you? Interesting. Believe it or not. Definitely well, a lot okay. slower. I mean, here's the thing. Y'all asked me to watch this. Thank you, by Thank the way. Thank you. I, I, as, a, as a reviewer, as I would for any movie, anything I was reviewing that maybe... I wasn't too hip on. I still tried to give it my very best. Mm-hmm. And I was really focused during Princess Sophie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. The minute it switched episodes, yeah. it fell apart on me. Because in my mind, it's like the story's done. What's all the rest of this? And I realized it's because it's he edited it together and yeah, blah, blah, yeah. blah. And it's at that point, it's like, where is this going? And I realized something as y'all were talking. This, when this came out, I would have been in the age range this would have been marketed to in many mm-hmm. ways. Cause mm-hmm. I would have been like five years old when this came out. Yeah. Five or six. This would have bored me as a child. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this re- feels like a, 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 a men's, a, a, a boy's version of uh, this American girl in some way. Oh, yeah. I could see that. And I was like, I I understand why I I don't know why I don't remember the show being advertised when I was a kid, mm-hmm. but I can guarantee you I wouldn't have watched it. 
I'm just going to yeah. be honest. This yeah. would have no nostalgia for me whatsoever, except for Indiana Jones. And even then, I probably didn't see Indy until I didn't see Indy till after Star Wars. I saw Star Wars, so mm-hmm. probably wow. another so three or four later years after this. Okay. So yeah. This was the boring adventures of young Indiana Jones. For yeah. me, it was. So, I mean, that leads right into the thing I didn't like about this. I'm like, oh my! I'm so I'm watching this at two x speed, and I'm oh, still wow. like, you, I couldn't. You know, I, I couldn't figure out how to do that on my Switch. <laughs> so I was watching it on my Switch. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how you do it on the Switch. I was watching it on the computer. Well, there's but. a YouTube app. No, I understand that, but I in the YouTube app, I don't know how to do it on a Switch. Like how the app works on a Switch because I don't have a Switch. Okay. <laughs> anyway, hey, regardless, you go out outside. <laughs> go ahead. So. I just, I, I'm all the time I'm watching this, I'm thinking, this is Indiana Jones. Where is the action? Where is the pulp? I mean, I remember reading young Indiana Jones books that were way more interesting than anything here. I'm like, this is so dull. This is a defiant little boy who's like, that going didn't help anything. I mean, I mean, I, I, I thought it was cute that he thought he was in love. And I thought he got some whoa, good advice. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh. You don't think he wasn't? That's an interesting conversation. No, I think, think he had a crush. I don't. How, I don't buy. He was in love. What? 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 How, how old is Indiana? Indy here? Ten, I think. He's born in '99, and this is 1908, so nine. Yeah, he's nine. He's probably not in love. He just thinks he's in love. I'm guessing. I could see him being infatuated, thinking, "Wow, this is yeah. a really cool girl." I, probably I, the first time he's had to deal with these feelings. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. But it's not. I don't think he wants to have sex with her like Roy does. Well, yeah, but I. Boy, was that uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> but, but I thought it was it was nice that the men actually wanted to talk to the boy about that. And I like, thought oh, that was good. Cool. Yeah, yeah, I thought that was a really cool thing that they're like, yeah. hey, this is this is a good discussion, and yeah, I I, I feel like if it were. A girl, it wouldn't be appropriate, but then the women, I think that'd be great if the women would have a discussion with the girl. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Wasn't this more of a great? <laughs> <laughs> so, more action, and then you get into the this affair thing. That just, I don't know, something about that really boils my blood. I really do not like affair storylines where there's a there's a healthy, a seemingly healthy marriage. Sure, there's there may be some some struggle like because he's not sending her any letters and that's that's an honest hurt and i can appreciate that but that doesn't mean you get to go out and just like oh i'm just gonna oh oh i I love you puccini i I don't love you oh but i'll kiss you oh but my family oh but i gotta go to the train oh but i can't i'm like oh my gosh oh oh no no i forgot this is my tragedy maker right here okay here (laughs) i'm like oh good you made the right decision to to go and meet your husband at the train. And that's really sweet. I'm like, oh, good. I'm so glad you made the right decision. But then you look back at Pacini. What is wrong with you? You don't look back at all. You keep your eyes forward. What's up with that? I live it at the... should have turned into a pillar of salt. Yes, exactly. I know you probably didn't see this part. I thought she did very well. The fact that she didn't even, most of the time she wasn't looking at him. I, no. I would have been looking at him the whole time going like, no, nah, I'm sorry. Just go. Well, away no, that would, that would have been fine. But the thing is, she goes to her husband and she's hugging her husband and she looks back like, well, oh, I really wish I was with you. I'm like, oh my gosh. 
Ooh, she didn't my. say that. You could see in her eyes. No. That was the behind the scenes in her eyes. Totally oh. there, Paul. Yeah, there is a longing that like, oh, I, I'm, you know, I'm sorry things didn't work out in whatever fantasy world that she was living in. But playing at least she made the right decision. Oh, yeah. Playing devil's advocate for someone who didn't watch this part. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Go ahead, Drew. Could it be that she was lo- in some way she was longing for what could have been if had she done had she had the affair? Maybe thinking maybe that was where the grass was greener and wondering may, is she making the right choice even though i think she is making the right choice from what y'all are saying I, I, it's just that's just my thought well i think i think yes she probably thought oh well that it would be i would be more appreciated because the guy is saying oh what i he can finally do his art because i'm near him and he's definitely making her feel all sorts of special at the same time he's apparently cheating on his wife and I so it's like to say how long is I, exactly. when I was watching it. So it was like, okay, so you're with him with one night and until he dumps you and goes off with the egg- other woman. Exactly. But that is, question, I'll admit, but I'm just thinking from her perspective, maybe with, I'm sure she's going through some rough feelings, trying to figure out what is the right thing to do, even though for yeah. us, on the outside, it's very obvious what she should do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's just my that's my thought. Like maybe she's thinking, is this the right thing? Am I making the right choice going back with my husband and going back to the life I've already had? Or do I sow my wild oats and see what happens? Admittedly, I glad she didn't from what you're saying. I, yeah. I didn't see the end of this. Yeah, she's still in the show. So if you want to watch chapter four, go for it. She's probably in it. But I I'll pass. So I think <laughs> How'd you really feel, Drew? I yeah, I just hate that she 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 made the right decision, but then you could see her heart still not in in the right decision. It's like it's well, like no, I think her heart's in it, but just not a hundred percent. Like a lot of things in life, we're not a usually a hundred percent in everything. Like Drew wasn't a hundred percent into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. You know what? Your last guest. <laughs> what was that, Drew? I do better than your last guess. I at least watched it. I don't think they did. did they? <laughs> that's, that's true. Well, I think I may have told them like too late to watch it, so that's more on me than it is on them. Mine then. I'm uh, not, my, it's not to throw shade on my forebears. No, no, no. It's it's. But the people that came before are you, yeah. <laughs> my apologies, senpai. I did not mean to offend you. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, now it's uh, Drew. This is probably not sort of a. Uh, question for you but for me and paul we're trying to compare all the episodes against each other so three episodes in paul how would you rank these episodes so far in terms of what's the best versus the worst oh my gosh so the first one was the mummy and the uh, mummy and uh, and, uh, the other uh, thing that didn't relate to the mummy oh the the slave uh, the he was a friend with a slave one after that was the Af- African hunt and yes, the with Theodore Paris. Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah you know, I, I it's hard for me to put them in order. They're because they're all pretty much the same. <laughs> <laughs> it's easy for me. One, two, three, because one has the most action and pulp to it. I is the most jo- like Indiana Jones. I can see that, but I'm enjoying the stories. I'm enjoying the series. That's fine. I mean, I'm I'm interested to see when where it's more like a teen slash twenty something indie. Yeah, we'll get there. Trust me. More of those episodes than there are of the nine and ten year old. Okay, but right. I actually 
I was most interested in the the boy and the young Sophie relationship more than anything else I've watched in these three episodes. Oh, okay. I mean, that's fair. I could see that. I I I guess I wish there's more more of a going on. Yes, in that. Yeah, in intermixed with that. Like, I wish it wasn't. Like the Franz Ferdinand, like we have to, we have really to fit in a historical character. <laughs> we had to fit in a historical character into all these things to make it educational or something like that. I don't know I what's going on. The Doctor Who does a lot better job than that. Well, <laughs> but here's the thing: I would if it, if they would have left that out, they could have <laughs> exactly, exactly, Solomon. Uh, if they would have left that out, then they could have then they could have gone with a character that they could have him meet later on. I think that would have been really cool. Cause we, we know that Franz Ferdinand like gets assassinated. So I imagine his family goes in the hiding or I'm not sure what happens mm-hmm. to his family. So I think it would have been cool to have seeded a character that he's in love with now. And that you later find out, Oh, they have, they have a reconnection. And of course it's sort of tragic because he goes on to be with Marion and then leaves Marion. And then, I, I don't know. Does he ever come back with Marion? I'm not, I, I don't think oh, that ever happens. No. I don't think that yeah, happened. No, no. <laughs> there was a rumor of something about what oh, ten years ago. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't think that ever came to fruition. No, probably not. It's that. <laughs> I mean, for some reason they were going to put a child of Boof in there, and that just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, no, yeah, that can't be right. Yeah, it's probably just probably some fan fiction someone wrote. Yeah, probably. Okay, well. All that to say, thank you so much for hanging out for this uh, sort of after show uh, telling or telling the review of Young Indiana Jones. We do this every month. We may miss next month or next month might be late. I forget. But I might be double up the following. Exactly. But we're doing this in between our uh, Christmas episodes of the Indiana Jones movies. You know, the only three that there are. A Rares of the Lost Ark, Temple of Doom and Last Crusade. So. Uh, until next time, thank you so much for listening to this and whoops.